Well, it's March Madness, but I'm not talking about basketball. Next on Principles and Policies. <laughs> Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principal Policy. And along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaelis. Well, on the day we're recording this, which is uh, March 11th, uh-huh. I think we're eight days from, uh, is that right? No, we're ten days from from spring yeah 10 days from spring that's right that's right 10 days from spring a little bit shorter than that from uh from the time you hear this from the time you hear that and also from the tip off of uh all the basketball tournaments are going on now chuck in a normal year and i'm preferencing by saying that in a normal year what the talk around the water cooler would be today at most places of work are looking at the the ending of the seasons, the conference championship right. games, and everybody talking about filling out their brackets. Yeah, the playoffs and fill, getting ready to fill out the brackets, the uh, divisional playoffs. Isn't it amazing what a year does? Because this time, this year, most people are not around the water cooler talking about brackets. They're not talking about the playoffs. They're not talking about basketball in general. They're talking about, did you get your shot yet? Yes. <laughs> are you in the group? That's been cleared to get your shot. And maybe if they were paying any attention whatsoever, they might have been saying, oh, didn't, did you see that the flags were lowered to half staff on Wednesday all over the state? What was that all about? That was all about the governor deciding he was going to declare a day of uh, remembrance for the start of the two weeks to flatten the curve. Well, he didn't put it that way, but it was to remember the start of (laughs) Ohio's being subjected to COVID-19, blah, 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 because it was a year ago on March the 9th that the governor was first informed, supposedly, that uh, cases of COVID had been found in Ohio. And everybody knows what happened from there. By March 16th, he's got the state shut down completely, telling us it's going to be two weeks so they can flatten this curve <laughs> over this wonderful graph that everybody had that they got from this place over in England, um, written by this scientist. King's who, College. Who, written by the scientist yeah. who we find out after the fact was using completely faulty data, and therefore that, that chart meant nothing. But it was beyond faulty. It was, it was ginned up. So, so after two weeks, did, we, did everything go back to normal? No. No. After we found out that the uh, data had been ginned up on it, did everything go back to normal? No. No. After we got past the initial wave and the hospitals weren't all screaming and people you know, being stuffed in closets because they didn't have enough beds to cover everybody, did we end the, end the, pan- the panic? No. no. Um, here we are a year later, Chuck. Celebrating... Well, okay, not celebrating, observing, mourning the over one-year anniversary of two weeks to flatten the curve. Folks, let me just put it to you mildly. All you did was push the curve back so that it hit in the fall. And you remember what happened in the fall. All of a sudden, we had to spike again because they'd done all this stuff and forced all this hospitals, closed, and people couldn't get there. You couldn't get elective surgeries. You couldn't do X, Y, and Z. And then they relax that a little bit. And then what happens? Woo, we get a big spike, and then they start talking about thousands of cases and tens of and 4,000 deaths that we, we kind of misplaced over at the Department of Health. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the Department of Health and their data collection here in a minute. Yeah, you... Because uh, there's another thing that's coming up about that. But, so here we go. So we get this huge spike 
in the fall going into winter. Folks, that was the spike we should have had the first couple of weeks of spring last year. Got past it, people would have had herd immunity. We'd be living in a normal world right now. More than likely, um, the fact is that we're just now talking about herd immunity. Actually, we've probably been there since around the end of last year. Uh, yeah, at the very, at the very worst. Um, but the fact is, we did delay herd immunity, and it didn't have anything to do with the shot either. It no, didn't have it had anything to do, to do with with, with Pfizer, AstraZeneca, Johnson and Johnson, whoever yeah. else is out there with a with no. a with a Moderna with the, with a needle to stick in your arm. Uh, I'm going to make a declaratory statement. First of all, I'm not taking the double shot vaccinations which aren't okay. vaccinations or right. the single shot vaccination which isn't a vac- vaccination no they're gene therapies they're gene they are gene therapies uh and, and and i want you can you talk about the difference between those two things because that yeah. may be confusing to some folks who all they're hearing from the media is va- vaccination 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 because yeah. the media knows this difference they're just refusing to be honest about it it's easier to say vaccination than uh than but, a uh, um, a gene therapy, but uh, it's medically and ethically illegitimate. To, oh, absolutely! To interchange those two ideas. All right, a a vaccination is going to be consist of either a killed virus, which is usually a vi- the virus uh, that you're worried about. You you collect them, you clone them, or whatever. You collect large numbers of them. You boil them to kill them. And then you you create a vaccine from that. Now, what does that do? That gives you that the, the well. That, and and the reason why you can create a vaccine from something that's dead is because the protein chains right. that are part of the vaccine are still present, and that's what you're that's where I was going. amping up with the vac. Really, what vaccine. you're doing is taking the outer coating. Right, and you are creating immunity based on the body recognizing the protein on the outside of the virus, or some of the proteins on the inside of the virus. Right, because uh, some viruses don't have a coat, so you have to be you have to be careful there. Uh, you know, but most viruses have a coat because it's part of the mechanism to help them latch onto the cell mm-hmm. and inject itself and create itself. Because what it does, how a vaccine uh, works is it it latches onto one of your cells. And it injects its its internal genetic material, either DNA or RNA, into your cell replication mechanism inside. Mm-hmm. It takes it over and creates copies of itself. Uh, and then, once too many copies have been made, because it just it it's sort of like uh, creating them over and over and over and over, your cell explodes, right? And expels the new virus out, uh, which, by the way, has been mutated. Uh, anytime by being in your cell, by being in your cell, it has picked up pieces of your DNA and RNA that's floating around and that kind of thing. Okay, so that being said, uh, that's how a virus makes you feel so really awful because yeah, your your cells are bursting. Right, it's bursting your cells. Um, and again, now that's the virus. I think you missed miss said vaccine, but it's the virus load that goes into your cells and creates itself. The, yeah, when you when you yeah. when you do the vaccine and you kill the virus, but you leave the protein chain. That's yeah. in the coding that your your cells then recognize when it gets in there in proximity, then they start creating antibodies inside exactly. the cell, which is the body's natural defense system against an, a foreign object or a foreign invader like a virus. Your body starts making antibodies as soon as it knows something is wrong. Right. As soon as it's got the signal that there's an invader or something is not going right, it goes out and finds what a uh, foreign. And it creates an antibody. Now, it takes time to, to build that up, which is why 
you feel so really, really, really bad for about three days. Because after three days, and this is uh, just just on a, a sidebar, I try to avoid taking aspirin or ibuprofen or Tylenol when I've got a fever from a virus. Yep. And the reason is that's the way your body shuts down cell replication. Yep. Your body cell shuts it down by increasing the temperature and then uh, the cells recognize, oh, we can't turn out proteins that are the correct shape. And it's, so it stops. Okay, now let's go back to, to what else a vaccine is made of. A vaccine can also be made of a live virus that has already been run through a living organism, generally other than human. Okay, what's used most often? Chicken eggs. Mm-hmm. Chicken True. eggs. You True. run. You you take chicken eggs, lots and lots and lots and lots of chicken eggs, and you inject them with this virus. It infects the chick. The chick then kicks out, and it, what's known as an attenuated virus, because it's been attenuated to the point where really, it really wants to see chickens, not humans. Okay. okay. So okay. It, it genetically modifies while it's in the chicken, which weakens it. See now that I would have to say that I thought my understanding of when a virus was attenuated was that. A, a a virus globule or, or a molecule, uh-huh. the way it attaches to a cell is it has like these little barbs or hooks, so it's almost like in fishing. Cases, it goes yeah. in and stabs in and hooks it like a harpoon. Mm-hmm. I thought an attenuated virus is one where the the those basically those hook particles on the outside of the cell had been. Okay, I jumped a Destroyed. step. I jumped a, a step ahead. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good. Okay, I, I'm glad that I'm not. I'm not because completely those mind. hooks are yeah. uh, specifically designed to to latch onto specific uh, protein sequences. Right. And chickens don't have the same protein sequences, so the virus. Thank you. This virus switches around, so that that's part yeah. of the picture. Yeah, I just because I know I know for myself, and I think maybe for many others. We've you've heard before that an attenuated virus just means that it it doesn't have the hooks on the nucleus in order yeah. to be able to attach to the cell to invade it. What's really weird about viruses? There are some that that will uh, infect certain kinds of animals and not others. Yep, like uh, the equine flu. Does it, if you remember back into the two thousands, uh-huh. uh, late two thousands. The double lots, late double lots. Right. We had the equine flu that was going around. I think it was spread by mosquitoes, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, 2008, 2009, somewhere around in there. Around in there, yeah. That one affected humans and horses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they affect bats and humans. Sometimes they'll affect a dog. Or a dog and a horse and maybe maybe humans. But there are, like, for instance, you, you've heard about dogs getting parvovirus. Well, parvovirus has no effect on humans. Yep. Uh, there's no place for the the virus to light. Uh, same thing with uh, feline leukemia. We'll kill a cat. Does nothing to humans. Although that, believe it or not, is very similar to the AIDS virus. Now it doesn't work. This it it'll kill the cat, but it mm-hmm. won't kill a, pe- a person. And likewise with the human, uh, you know, HTLV three mm-hmm. or the you know, uh, it won't have any effect on a cat. Okay. So that that being said, but those are the two things that are really vaccines: killed yep. or attenuated. attenuated. Right. At what we're doing. So with is the COVID, at, the COVID uh, 
I'm going to call it the COVID preparation. How's that? Because it, it's not a vaccine. If you wanted to say serum, you'd be a uh, serum. Yeah, sort okay, of. yeah, because it, it's actually a gene therapy. Mm-hmm. What you're doing is creating a piece of uh, messenger RNA from that virus. That is, and, and, and the human body and, and most other living organisms have both DNA and RNA. RNA, right. That's part of our cellular makeup, folks. Uh, the DNA is the basic building block chains of life and everything we do. And the RNA is how you carry from one protein set to the other. Uh, that's right. And, and it, the, the information that's needed for that other unit to be able to function right. Yeah, the three major uh, brands of RNA that are in your system for cell replication are transcription RNA, which those are the ones when uh, the RNA your DNA is being read. Transcription RNA goes out from those readers, and then it's put together into a messenger RNA, into a string, right. to into s- a messenger RNA. That messenger RNA is carried out to uh, transfer RNA, and transfer RNA takes it out to the ribosomes so you can kick out proteins. See, your body's an incredibly wonderful machine. And, and more, far more complex than, than you're led to believe in 8th <laughs> and then 7th grade uh, biology. Exactly, exactly. They make it all look simple, and That's it, the it's reason not. why it's great to have a biochemist here on the program every week. <laughs> but what's happening is that, that we're we're uh, messing around with this messenger RNA. And there's all kinds of things that can go wrong. Uh, there are some people that are saying once you have this this messenger RNA floating around in you, there's no way you can't trans, uh, uh, test not positive. In other words, you're going to test positive with this messenger RNA floating around in you. It doesn't matter. So people that are thinking, well, I'll be able to now test negative on... on uh, um, COVID. COVID test. No, yeah. you won't. Nope. You'll test positive, and you'll continue to do it while the mRNA exists in your system. Now, supposedly it clears after six weeks or something. I have sincere doubts about that. Uh, I have very sincere doubts about that. Mm-hmm. I have. I. I personally would like someone to show me the data that it has no possibility of inculcating into your your own cell replication mechanism and that kind of thing. Um, I, I realize that would be a, a very rare scenario, but um, we already know. Again, I'm not trying to convince you to take it or not take it. It's not my job. All I'm doing is prevent, presenting facts. And the fact is that the AstraZeneca, uh, quote-unquote, um, vaccination, which is, again, uh, a gene chemotherapy, over it has been suspended in Britain because over 800 have died from the thing. Yep. Um, and you know people say, well, they didn't really die of this, they didn't really die of that. It's the same argument that we make with, like for instance, our friend Mark Hamilton, who uh, who died, and the the primary cause was called COVID, but that's not what killed him. The yep. fact that he was on uh, immune system uh, suppressors uh, because of a uh, organ transplant, a liver transplant. Um, is what killed him. Did COVID contribute to that? Oh yeah, it was a it was a major contributor to that. Could he have gone on for years with his immunosuppressants? Yeah, probably. Do so, but again, you have an advantage over Mark. If you're just an average person, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have you're not taking 
drugs to the lower your suppressors, immune, yeah. so you don't reject your organs. Right, exactly. See, the people who've had transplants are at a higher risk factor, you obviously. Bet. They're isolated and should be. Right. Absolutely. So so you've got that. Now, Chuck, you know, like I said, we're here a year. We're, we're now dealing with gene therapy. It's, it's not a vaccine. Right. And they're telling people that even once you get the, the whole series of shots, no, you can't. You still have social distance. No, you can't take off the mask. Da 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 da. Right. Okay, then. So, and 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 supposedly it won't keep you from getting COVID. That, that's right. And they're not even sure it will reduce the severity of the symptoms if you get it. They're not sure about that. So, the sup, the, sup, que, the question that most inquiring minds would want to know is, why are we doing this in the first place? What's the point? What's yeah. the point? Um, I don't know exactly what the point is. There's a lot of speculation out there, depending on who you ask, about what the point is, ranging from uh, money money factors to power and control factors. I, I'm going to leave that up in the air. Here, here's my position on Chuck. If someone feels that it's in their best medical interest to submit themselves and give med- their their bodily medical autonomy consent to have someone else put what is basically a serum, a gene therapy in them that has not been thoroughly tested it has not been vetted and i'm sorry folks no matter what you're seeing in the advertising right now it's not safe and effective they can't make that claim because they don't have the body of data of seeing how it has been affecting the population over a longer enough term period you can't do that it's med it's medically and ethically untenable to be able to say those kind of things with something that you haven't adequately tested Guess where they're testing it at, Chuck? Well, with the guinea pigs out here in the, the world. The people who are lining up at the yeah. free at the free shot centers and waiting for their turn to go are actually the test group. And it's not working out as well as they'd hoped. Uh, the cure has not yet become worse than the disease, but it is quickly moving into the position to be near it let's put it that way. It's it's uh, there are it's problematic now. Oh yeah, it's very problematic. Now, again, We've also heard from Governor DeWine that there's light at the end of the tunnel, Chuck. Big, bright, shiny, happy light. Because he said, hey, if we can get our cases down to 50 per 100,000 population, I'll end all the mandates. Right? He'll open everything back up. We won't have any mass mandates. Stores won't be there, you know, trying to police you and and, and questioning your uh, your medical reasons for not wearing a mask, etc., uh, or denying you entrance when you do have a disability and violating the ADA by doing so. Hint, hint, folks. Right. If you've been denied because you can't wear a mask for some reason, or you have other disabilities, you've been denied entry into these stores. They're violating the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's a federal offense. You should sue them. I didn't say that, but you should sue them. <laughs> <laughs> and and there are a number of attorneys out there who are willing to take the case right now because they're tired of this. But so here's the deal, Chuck. So the governor comes out and says fifth, less than fifty cases per one hundred thousand population, and will sh- and, and everything goes back to normal. Ha ha. Okay. This week, you know, I rep for a uh, an organization called Health Freedom Ohio. I'm one. I'm their lobbyist. We had a number of folks come in and testify on a pair of bills, House Bill 90 and Senate Bill 22. They're both basically almost the same bill. 
Uh, they would basically give the General Assembly the authority to rescind an emergency health order by the governor with a concurrent vote of resolution to do so after he's announced a, a pandemic. Um, it's basically to let the uh, the authority of the assembly actually take place again, which they should have been doing already. Yeah. Um, but politics being what it is, and we had a mess with the speaker last year and changes and new people being voted in and elections, not the governor's. That's coming up this next year. Right. Which also plays a factor into what's coming up next. But... So they finally started moving. So we had some folks come in, and we have some, you know, Chuck, you'd think that the vast majority of the people who'd be looking at this with a jaundiced eye and, and worried about medical ethics and accuracy and protecting the health of the population would be the vast majority of the doctors' associations, the hospital associations, the public health associations. Nope, they're the ones who are on the other side screaming, you can't limit the governor, and he gets to shut down everything. And, and honestly, some of them are saying that we should have that the vaccine should be mandated for everybody as a condition of being able to work, drive a car, um, you know, be out in public. Uh, you know, if you're seeing some airlines in some countries are going to, oh, you have to show your papers. You have to have a, 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 uh, vaccine, a vaccine certificate. Yeah, a passport. Passport, vaccine passport. Uh, Chuck, where's that going to end? It's not. Anytime, no. anytime they decide they want to stick somebody, stick people with something in the population, it'll become mandatory that that be part of your passport. Uh, we talked about the reasons why the scientific community is on on the wrong side on this. Oh, several shows. I mean, right. Well, and, and a let, year and a half ago. And let me refresh everybody's memory. Money. That it's and, a guess. Well, <laughs> it's the technocratic movement. It's a technocratic, the technocratic movement, movement driven by money. Driven by money is the idea that experts should run everything. Yes, now, it is. It I, is. I would remind people that experts um, predict the weather. Yep. Experts uh, decided that we should launch a, a space shuttle uh, in January mm-hmm. in freezing conditions, which blew it up. And also, experts also decided not to do anything about another shuttle that had wingtip uh, damage to the uh, mm-hmm. uh to the tiles sure. and that one burned up on re-entry mm-hmm. uh if you can name something that an expert says yeah i can show you other people whose voices were drowned out uh who said you can't do this you can't you're, do you're this just you as can't expert. Do this. but no but the the technocratic movement says they have to be silenced and in fact deplatformed hey which, where, which are we, where are we seeing that happen which, which, we're seeing yeah. that all over the place Okay, so some of my folks came in and testified. Some of my folks have backgrounds in epidemiology, data research, uh, virology, public health, and others. But these are the folks who question what's being fed to them by the governor and, and his people. So the governor says, get it under 50 days per 100,000. Sounds like an easy, easy number to meet, right, Chuck? Because everything's dropping, everything's going, going supposedly going back to normal. Sounds like it's going to be easy to meet that number, right? Huh. Not so fast. Nope. Okay. Here, let me give you a little snippet here. And this is from our folks. And you can find, there's a group out there on Facebook called Understanding Ohio COVID-19 Data. And it's basically the, the data analysts and the number crunchers and everybody who've been pouring over the data sets that are out there 
uh, from the Department of Health, the CDC, and other places, and from the, the hospitals report. And they're looking over it, and they're starting to see a number of incongruities. The biggest incongruity is that in order to reach less than the 50 cases per 100,000 that the governor's saying is going to be the magic key for us to resend all the orders, you would need, over a 14-day period, only 5,844 cases. Okay, and that's current cases. The big problem is that in the last 14 days, do you know how many probable cases? That means they're not confirmed. Right. That means they may never be confirmed. Do you know how many probable cases there were out there in Ohio? Oh, tens of thousands, I'm guessing. 6,243 yeah. probable cases probable. in the last 14 days. But if we have to get it below 5,844 actual cases over the 14-day period, how are we going to get there? You, you can't. Unless you get rid of the probables. Problem is... The Ohio Department of Health has put the problems in. And you notice we went from talking about hospitalizations and ICU utilizations and deaths to talking about cases. Right. There was a major shift late summer where all of a sudden we started talking about cases. And then all of a sudden we started talking about probable cases. And then all of a sudden we started talking about going back and reviewing the older data to determine if there were more probables. Do you see oh, what they're getting okay. at here? Let me let me give you a logical sequence. I get where you're going. Yep. If you want to continue, remind me, remind me to to because it, it fits in. Okay. Um, I listened to the David Webb show today. Yeah. On Wednesday the 11th. Okay. And he had a caller call in because uh, somebody called in to talk about the whole COVID thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, at, right after this fellow, because he was a skeptic. Right after this fellow, I'm a frontliner, calls in. Okay. And she goes on and on and on and on about how we see these people in the hospital all the time dying from, you know, what we are sure is COVID. Now, they've tested false for COVID, but we right. we, we need to do a send out. We need to find out if they've got it. And, they, and it comes back negative. We know they have COVID. Uh-huh. Now, this is what's known in... in uh, warfare, especially uh, warfare in the sky, as target fixation. Yeah, that's right. Everything uh, looks like a target. Target fixation is the idea that a fighter pilot gets so fixed on his target that as he follows it to the ground that he forgets to pull up out of his dive. Mm-hmm. And it kills him. Yeah, right. So, what has happened here, in the same interview with this woman, she said, do you realize... She was speaking in favor of masks masks and all this uh, desanitizing and things. Do you realize we've seen no flu cases this year? That's right. Uh, Very few. And she says, do you see what wearing masks and sanitizing can do for you? And I said, yeah, it leads you into believing that everything that comes into your hospital is COVID. Has to be COVID. It's coded by COVID. It's COVID, yeah. Those cases that you're saying are testing negative and they're dying in your hospital from pneumonia aren't COVID, they're the flu. Mm-hmm. But you can't find, uh, the, the original caller was talking about, uh, she was a, a an executive who ran a company who did PCR tests. Yep. Preliminary chain reaction. And she goes, do you understand how many false positives we kick out because this test was not designed to be a diagnostic test? 
We're using it as a diagnostic. That's right. If you want to go out and check antibodies, there are other ways to check it, uh, you know, match it up with symptomatology and that kind of thing. Well, then this other person, this uh, frontliner called in, she's actually making the case that all these cases are being miscounted as COVID when in, f- uh, when in fact they're the flu. Mm-hmm. There are other things. They're straight pneumonia. We know that they have the virus, even though the tests say no. Okay. That's nonsense. And yet that is the, the prevailing mentality among uh, departments of health and the CDC and uh, uh, healthcare professionals who are trying to do what uh, 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 Forrest, yep. uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, said, keep up the scare. Yep. You got to keep up the scare. Oh, well, and they're doing a great job at that, Chuck. Now, I, I want to kind of roll back around on this whole thing because I, I'm glad you said that because, you know, one of the things is you know, the governor's already come out and said we're going to be masking and distancing all through summer. Chuck, have you looked at the numbers lately of the hospitalizations in this state? They're rapidly approaching zero. So basically what the governor is going to tell us is even when we have no hospital admissions, nobody in an ICU bed over COVID, you're still going to have to wear a mask everywhere and stay six feet away from everybody else and not go to parties. The party thing's been lifted. Well, no, not, well, I know, I know. Not quite, not quite. Uh, Yes, the the limitations on crowd sizes for certain venues have been, have been relaxed. Let's put it that way, but not lifted. But, Here's the deal. If that is the number they're going to base on saying we get out from under this and they're adding all these probable cases and basically what you said with the target fixation problem, we're never going to reach that number. And if we don't reach that number, then the governor has his excuse for saying, well, I gave a target. We just can't get there because this, this, this disease is just doing it and it's mutating and it's, and it's just creating more problems. And, and we just don't have the right, we just don't have the right vaccine for it yet. So we're going to have to do a third one and you're going to have to do shots annually, semi-annually every three months. How about every month? It'll keep going, Chuck. Yeah. Because it's going to get more it, and more, it's and more get absurd. Crazy. Yeah. Now the reason why it's, like I said, our data folks are showing this stuff is because well, like I said, they've been running this data directly from the High Department of Health. Now, the Department of Health has a file that they put out every day. It's a data file on the hospitalizations, deaths, onsets, and in fact, the whole nine yards. And so one of our researchers had been doing her diligence, and she started noticing something. And she said, well, 75.7% of all the deaths associated with COVID, had oddities associated with the data. Something wasn't adding up. Well, we last week, two weeks ago, when we were in there testifying on the House Bill 90, she came in and she brought this information up to say that, you know, we've got a number of discrepancies. Now, Chuck, one of the big discrepancies were there were a number of the data sets where the date of death was earlier than the date of onset of COVID. <laughs> I'm not joking. I know. I know you're. I not. am not joking. When you told me that. I laughed at the same way earlier yesterday. It, it, well, it's just it's it's so absurd. You you can't do anything but laugh to start with. But the problem is, this is the data that the Department of Health is using, and they were showing in their data 
dates of okay they were showing they show onsets they show onsets with hospitalizations onsets without hospitalizations and then they show dates of death and some of those dates of death are six eight ten months later but they're all associated as covid deaths (laughs) so somebody gets covid in april and they die in november but they were never hospitalized did they die of COVID? Don't you know it's the damage that the virus did to their to their Ah, uh, must be. <laughs> that it's must absurd. Be. But, it's but, absurd. But so so our, our data person says, you know, finds out like so we're getting ready she's getting ready to prepare for this next round of testimony, right? On Cinebill twenty two. She goes back in and looks at the data and she's like, you know what? So she sends out to our, our post, guess what? The Department of Health has solved the what she calls the zombie infection. The zombie issue. infection. The, the zombies are catching COVID <laughs> after they're dead. And the issues relating to the fact that 75.7% of all deaths have oddities associated with their data. How, you ask? Did they start becoming responsible? Start checking their work? Check to make sure that their data makes sense? Nope. No, of course not. They solved it by simply removing that data. You eliminate the column that shows No, no, the columns are still there. They just depopulated the columns. (laughs) The columns in the graph. Okay, so it goes county by sex. By age range, onset date, which is now blank. blank, admission dates, blank, date of death is still there. Has anybody thought of filing suit against the uh, Department of Health to force them to populate those columns? Uh, well, the thing is, those pop- columns were populated until the day after she testified the, the first yeah, time the and pointed after. out that there were discrepancies. Well, And then all of a sudden, in order to fix the discrepancies, whoosh, they well, pulled all the data, well, which means you can never do a comparative analysis. Now, just for fun, I'm going to remind you that uh, how remember you've seen I Am Legend or maybe The Last Man on Earth. Yes, how did that all get started? How did it all get yeah. started? It was an mRNA vaccination. Yeah, right, mRNA vaccine. <laughs> but uh, I'm not saying that that's going to happen, folks. It's fiction. It's not true. Uh, don't worry that I'm sitting here paranoid saying, we're all going to end up dead from the, you know, when there's going to be one guy left and oh, no, that's not going to happen. Yep. Um, but that, that's how it all started with an MRNA uh, vaccination or serum injection. Isn't that something? But, Isn't that something? But Barry, what this does, this move does. Yeah. If they have not, ju- if they have actually wiped the data. Yes. Which they have. Well, They've hidden the data. They've hidden it. But my guess is they've wiped it. If they wiped it, what they did was, as Dr. Burke said way early on this, she goes, there are so many false and misleading uh, data data points and sets that normally what happens in a pandemic like COVID-19, you go back and look at it in retrospect and put together a statistical picture of how it worked. Right from that kind of data and any data gatherer would look at that and say uh this is the empty set you can't have people dying six six eight ten months after they get the the virus or vice versa you can't you can't get the virus days weeks months after you're dead right that it's created such a statistical nightmare nobody's going to be able to look at this and get anything useful out of it. We have basically, uh, in the interest of giving people control and authority, we have essentially allowed them 
to seize a power that they're not supposed to have. Now, that's true. Without the oversight they're supposed to have. Because who's, you know, the the people like at the Department of Health don't like legislative oversight. And legislators don't like doing it because they're not experts for the most part. Yeah, for the most part, yeah. But the, they have a duty. If you're electing representatives who don't want to do the oversight because people, the departments are run by people who know more than you, supposedly, mm-hmm. and yet how much more do you have to know to know that you can't get COVID after you're dead Oh, well, but see, we don't, this is a new virus, Chuck. We have no idea how powerful it really is. And God, one of its mutations may be post-mortem affectation. You just don't know. Yeah. See, and that's the kind of silly explanation. Fine. Show me the data. Well, you can't because they just took it away. They took it away. (laughs) They They, they, they wiped it out. See, I could have shown you the data that, yeah, for, for absolute certain, this thing is mutated to the point where it can raise the dead and infect them and give them COVID. Right. Show me the data. And the fact is that when they show you the data in subsequent years, yeah, you're going to say, uh-uh, that data is worthless. And what will happen is honest scientists, and there are, they're out there, and believe me, folks, there are people saying what we're saying on the scientific side. Try and find it. Their publications have been erased. Yes. They're, uh, if they're on Facebook, it's erased. If they're on YouTube, it's erased. They have to go out to places like uh, Gab, like um, um, Parler. Right. They have to, to Rumble. Yep. They have to go out to those places. And what what is the uh, um, the the lamestream media basically? They're doing their best to paint them as um, uh, paranoid, whack jobs, QAnon, um, you know, conspiracy theorists. Uh, as we've talked about on this show many, many, many times. Uh, when does it go from being a conspiracy theory to a conspiracy fact? Well, when you can prove it. That's right. It's not a conspiracy when they really are out to get you. That's right. As the old saying goes, yeah. <laughs> so I think I find that fa- that te- uh, testimony fascinating. How are they going to try to counter that? Well, the same way that they always can. Again, Chuck. If you don't have the data now available, how can how can you say that they ever did? Because all they're going to put up is, well, this is what we have. Oh, I, I don't know what she was. I don't know what they were looking at. They were looking at your CSV file that you uploaded every week. Every week they they yeah. they uploaded this data. Every week it got pulled down. They've got like a huge background of this. Problem is, is that the department is a political agency that's backing the governor because the governor has got both feet firmly planted in the middle of the muck. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And I'll tell you why I think he's got both feet firmly planted in the middle of the muck. I want to read to you a little excerpt from something. It's a little, it's an older document, Chuck. It's just about a year old. And it was the governor's rationale for declaring the state emergency in the first place back in 2020. Yeah. Quote, I just signed a state of emergency. Again, this really allows us to do some things that we could not do without a state of emergency. Now, if you stopped right there, you'd think, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, now we know what those things are. Right. But he keeps going. He says, for example, it would allow us to purchase items, health-related items, without a bid. Let me just be quite candid. I would not read too much into the state of emergency. (laughs) It enables us to do a few things in government that we couldn't have done. 
It makes it easier for us to procure medical supplies, for example, and not have to go through the normal state bidding process. Unquote. You see, the problem is, Chuck, the first part of what he says in each of those paragraphs is the truth. I signed a state of emergency to allow us to do some things we could not do without a state of emergency. That's the truth. Then when he says, anytime he says the word, for example, he's lying. Right. He's diverting. He's deflecting. He's making you look over here while he's over there doing something else. Because if all we were calling a state of emergency for was so we could get health supplies without going through state procurement and going through like a three-week process to get it procured, then why are we still in a state of emergency? And why is everybody having to wear masks? Right. And why are we now showing the cat, the state map in four different colors of going from yellow to red? Why are we sending out the state highway patrol, the Bureau of Workers Comp, and the investigative unit to go shut down businesses who stay open past the curfew? What? That... Wait a minute, is a curfew part of procuring medical supplies? Right. Um, are right. masks? Okay, masks can be a medical supply, but God knows nobody believed that when he said procuring medical supplies, he was talking about forcing you as a healthy adult out doing your living and your life or driving your car or anything else to have to put on a strap on a mask to say that you're a normal human being. Folks, it's time we stopped living in this fantasy world. It's time we stopped just going every Tuesday and Thursday or Monday, whatever days he's doing it. Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursdays. Tuesdays and Thursdays. Dialing in at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which I'm laughing. It's Thursday as we're recording this, and I'm looking at the clock. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We could stop (laughs) this right now and go over and listen to the governor if we really want to hear what he's having to say, but I frankly am tired of hearing what he has to say anymore. You know, Barry, I got Because everything he's saying is doublespeak. I got some double-lot knitting needles in the house. We could stick them in our ears instead and... Yeah, but it still may tune in the radio frequencies and it might get his voice over the line. I don't want to do that. Um, but the point is, everybody should be tired of it. Okay, folks? It was a coronavirus. It was a virus similar to the flu. It was a virus that, because we hadn't seen it before, nobody had natural immunities built up. And so, therefore, people who had severely compromised immune systems to start with, the very elderly, the very frail, those with multiple comorbidities did pass away. They either passed away from COVID or with COVID or as a result of complications from having COVID. You know what? Replace the word COVID with the word flu, and it's the same thing that happens every year in this country. We have forty to 60,000 deaths a year at, on, an, at, on a good year from the flu. But you don't hear about it. Well, the, that's what... what I'm going to be quite honest. That half a million number of the number of dead, yeah, grossly exaggerated. Well, that's that's your probables and your zombie. That's right. That's some of your zombie, some of your zombie deaths, which brings us back to I am Legend. Yes, yes. <laughs> but um, that, that being said, um, the uh, um, th- those are highly improbable to have been COVID. Oh, sure. But that being said, think about go back. What kind of coronas were there where most of the young people who are in college now are not really getting anything? They were When they were in high school, we had a couple of what were supposed to end up being really awful 
COVID outbreaks. Yeah, swine flu. Uh, yeah, there were two or three of them. Equine flu, the bird flu, Zika. H1N1, Zika. Uh, yeah. and, and they went, but one thing we you need to understand about herd immunity, you don't have to get, you don't have to get the virus to get herd immunity. Right. You have to be exposed. Exactly. There's a little thing called viral load. Yes. If you get a small viral load, like you might get, if you were in a restaurant and somebody 60 feet away from you sneezed um, and oh, didn't... Oh, God, Chuck, don't say 60 feet, though. That would be the next thing. Oh, we dropped to zero. We need everybody to stay 60 feet away well, from each other. Well, you know, the, the beauty of it is what everybody doesn't realize is that uh, um, a, an aerosolized virus will travel about 30 meters, which is 98 feet. Mm-hmm. So I think it's further than that, but the current science says 98 feet. Okay, there there will be a small viral load that you might pick up. And you breathe it in, and your body says, Hey, this Ooh. looks like... This looks like trouble. Let's, yeah. go, let's, go, let's go kick it kick its let, butt. Let's, ca- <laughs> let's crank the primary system up, primary, secondary, ter- uh, tertiary systems up, yeah. and get rid of this thing. And they do. Well, what do you do when you do that? You create an antibody. You never feel a symptom. Yep. You never shed a virus. You never do it. Your body takes care of it, throws the virus out, and voila, you've got immunity. Yep. That's what we're seeing in these younger people. They were in a close environment when some of these things were around, but they didn't get enough viral load. They were already young and healthy. They didn't get enough viral load to get it. Right. But they got enough viral load to build a general immunity against coronaviruses. So when this one comes out, They've got strong immune systems, and a lot of adults are your age, my age. You're you're ten years more or less younger than me. Um, we worked in environments where we were with people. You know, we worked in offices, and you worked in the state house, oh, and yeah. in the in the Rife Center, and in the you know all that all those places. Yep. Um, you too got got some uh, basic immunity to coronaviruses. Is it enough necessarily? If you get like a real strong uh, viral load, like, you know, a big, huge chunk of it. Could you still get it? Yeah, probably, but sure. more than likely not. You don't have any of the comorbidities. The real big comorbidity besides age is what? The, the recent report. Uh, obesity. Obesity. Yeah. Yeah, you have to be grotesquely overweight, which is what happened in Italy. They have an older population, and they have a terrible obesity problem in Italy. It's all that good pasta. Well, guess what? We're kind of obese here too. It's all that good pasta. It's all that good pasta. <laughs> all all that good ethnic food that our you know our bodies lo- love to eat don't necessarily like to use up real fast. Yeah, that's true. Um, so that's basically what's going now. What's happening with older people? Well, their immune systems are getting a little tattered and worn and not doesn't they they don't uh, um, respond as quickly and they've got other issues blood sugar uh, blood pressure um, circulatory disorders all kinds of things yeah that's why they're more susceptible and Mm -hmm. guess what they're more susceptible during the regular flu regular old flu but you know who isn't susceptible susceptible in this one and normally is to the regular flu, and that's the really young kids. Right. They're not getting it. No, they're not. 
Thank goodness. Yes. Uh, you know, the God, God's mercy. But again, like I said, in order for us to go back to normal, get rid of all the masking garbage and all of the nonsense, we have to get down below 50 cases per 100,000 of the population, which is an impossibility the way they're counting. Now, why do I say that this is important that we get back to normal? And honestly, I'm kind of one of these burn the mask kind of guys. I, I want to read to you from the National Institutes of Health. It's a study that was done just a little bit ago. And this is the conclusion from the study. And when I read you the conclusion, you'll know what the study was about. The existing scientific evidences challenge the safety and efficacy of wearing face masks as preventative intervention for COVID-19, period. The data suggests that both medical and non-medical face masks are ineffective <laughs> to block human-to-human -human transmission of viral and infectious diseases such as SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, supporting against the usage of face masks, period. Wearing face masks has been demonstrated to have substantial adverse physiological and psychological effects, period. These include hypoxia, hypercapnia, shortness of breath, increased ac acidity and toxicity, activation of fear and stress response, rise in stress hormones, immunosuppression. Hold that thought. Fatigue, headaches, decline in cognitive performance, predisposition for viral and infectious illnesses. Hold that thought. Oh, so yeah. hold those two points. Yeah. Chronic stress, anxiety, and depression, period. Long-term consequences of wearing face masks can cause health deterioration, developing, and progression of chronic diseases. One of the big diseases they're seeing from wearing masks, bacterial pneumonia. Bacterial pneumonia because you're breathing back in your own gunk. Right. Okay, okay. The, but two trigger points on this thing. It'll cause immunosuppression yep. and predisposition for viral and infectious illnesses. So basically, what are the masks doing? Driving up the possibility that you will contract COVID. COVID. <laughs> what do we see from the graph from the state of Ohio of the incidences of COVID cases, onsets, hospitalization, everything else? All the, From March, all up July, all, oh, July, the mask mandate hit into place. By August, we're climbing September, yeah. October. We're into the stratosphere. Yeah. And he's shutting everything down, creating curfews, blah, blah, blah. And then people started thinking, wait a minute, this is just not working. And people started taking off the mask. And what do you start seeing? The numbers are dropping right. down. Right. Uh, let me ask you a question. What is the reason that a doctor wears a surgical mask in a surgical theater? Bacteria not giving, that not not expelling bacteria into an open wound that they're operating it's on. It's actually vice versa. It's to stop bodily fluid transfer from the patient to the doctor and the nurse well, and the I, anesthesiologist. Well, you have some of that as well, but it's also to yeah. make sure that they don't end up like, you know, spitting or drooling into an open That's, wound. That, that is part of it, but <laughs> yeah. the main, it's it's bodily fluid exchange. It has nothing to do with viruses. Right, it has nothing to do with the virus, which, by the way, the microbe of a virus is so small. Well, everybody's wearing two masks now, Chuck. Well, or the people who think that they're they're virtue signaling. In New York, they're wearing two masks. Oh, Russell Moore just did a picture on his Facebook post of him wearing. Okay. Oh, I got my shot, and I'm got his, got his double mask on at the state house. We had a, a rep go up to testify wearing at least two masks, maybe three, and a face shield. 
So it sounded like... <laughs> looked like something out of a science fiction movie from the 50s, okay? But the point is, is that it doesn't matter. The viral microbe is small. I mean, I could put four masks over top of each other, and guess what? The weave of all those masks, even an N95, that microbe is small enough. It, oh, yeah. It'll get right through all four of them. And N95 is far more efficient than than the cloth mask that most people are wearing, even the even the three-layer uh, paper mask, the surgical mask. Yeah. But, but the fact is, Barry... Uh, the director of the Ohio Department of Health made fun of people who said it's it's like uh, trying to block mosquitoes with a double chain link fence. Yes. Well, guess what? What he was saying, talking about, was droplets. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Face masks drop uh, uh, stop droplets. Sure, they can. Now, what's wrong with that picture? They stop them, but then they ask act as a filtering agent, which when you breathe out or cough or sneeze in yeah. your mask. Yep. You then aerosolize the virus. Yes, you do. Which then, as I spoke earlier, travels up to 98 feet. And those are what are dangerous. The aerosolized virus in a closed environment is where the real problem is. Sure. And the mask, all the mask did was make it easier for those droplets that actually trap the virus. And would have they would have evaporated on a on a surface. Right. And probably somebody would have come along and wiped the surface. There's nothing wrong with being... You know, uh, wiping your hands and and wiping down uh, surface, you know, surfaces of of you know, desktops and sure. and countertops and that kind of thing. It makes sense because those droplets, in a, just a few minutes, like five to seven minutes, they're completely deactivated and cannot no longer infect you unless they're on the one medium that has been studied and tested to show that they will keep them live for up to three days masks yeah well that's right there's a study that came out here yeah. just a few weeks ago that up to three days especially with the cloth masks but the worst ones are the ones that are made out of polyester oh of course which are all which are, if you look around a whole lot of people have got those stylish looking masks yeah with all like their fun graphics on them those are all made out of polyester folks <laughs> and, uh, and the virus will stay live on those masks, especially that polyester one, for up to three days after you expel it. And what are you doing? You're putting that mask back on every every day. Nobody's washing them. I, some people may be washing them, maybe wash them once a week. Problem is, if you really wanted to follow medical protocols, every time you had an exchange, you'd have to change your mask. Yeah, I had, uh, I, uh, well, you know, the N95s. Yes. They're wearing them all day because... They if They're it, not supposed to. Uh, if you'll recall, though, they had to because there weren't enough of them. Well, sure. And at the beginning, they were basically taking them off and developing techniques to re-sterilize to them. To but you had yeah. to wear them all day. And sometimes you have to wear them for two or three days because they could. They there weren't any. Um, that you, you were forced by circumstances to do that. Um, now, who's that bad for? It's bad for the for the wearer. Absolutely is. Because a, N95s are so restrictive of breathing that uh, medical personnel will be right first to tell you, you got to take those things off. There's also a reason. Those things have a trap door. Yes. So you can breathe out. Yeah. It's to protect the wearer, not the person surrounding you. Because that trap door lets everything go out. 
and go out in a concentrated stream rather than going out and dispersing like right. your normal breath. You're right. It exactly. all comes out this little tiny hole in the front with a trap door that as soon as you t- draw a breath in, it closes so you draw your breath through the mask. Now, like we said before, that virus is way tinier than any set of pores in and any that of these mask. masks have on, yeah. Yeah. Now, you could use that stuff that they advertise on TV. You spray it in the bottom of the boat on the, uh, the screen door in order to keep it afloat. <laughs> you can waterproof those masks, but uh, it's not going to work for you for breathing no. at that point. <laughs> no, yeah. The, uh, what, what is it? Flex Seal. Flex Seal. Yeah, that's yeah, the stuff. You could use Flex Seal on your mask if you want to make sure that you can't you get can, a particle in. <laughs> you can get the stuff in the tube that comes uh, as a roll, and you can make a mask out of Flex Seal. Well, you could there you do go. That, but I don't think I would advise that no, for would, anybody would, because I, you you'd wear that mask oh, what 30 40 seconds before you're passing out. Oh, you, you, you know, if you're if you're a, a practice swimmer or deep sea diver, yeah, you, you might you, be able to if do you, it. If you dive for for oysters, yeah, yeah for for pearls <laughs> somewhere in the South Seas, you might be able to hold your breath for 3 or 4 minutes before you're dead. Yeah, this is this is non topic, but I I'm always amazed at the guys who do the <laughs> deep the deep tankless dives like sure. 500 feet they oh, go yeah. down no, thank you. The pressure alone would be enough. To, oh, yeah, exactly. To yeah. I, exactly. Deal you, so. But no, so, you know, but again, Chuck, here it is. It's March. That's why I call it March Madness, because the governor is just out there spewing things that he knows there's no human earthly way to ever meet. And he's doing it to give a false sense of hope to people so that they'll accede to the next round of things he's going to tell them they have to do to get there. Okay, you know he's not doing that. Some some bureaucrat who is a technocrat is handing him a piece of paper and say, here's where you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. Here's where you need to be. And just like six feet of distance, uh, two weeks to, to uh, flatten the curve, all that stuff... It's not based on any science whatsoever. Listen, no matter what listen. you've heard, it's not based on science. That six-foot limit was completely arbitrary. Listen, Mike DeWine is a former prosecutor. If a prosecutor doesn't go by the evidence, they are creating a situation where they may be putting a lot of people in jail based upon falsehoods. Maybe we should go back and check some of Mike's records as a prosecutor. Because if this is the way he's handling this, I bet he handled a lot of cases in the past, fast and loose, and didn't care about the evidence, and basically got tar- got target oh, fixation. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, got target fixation. Oh, yeah. One one thing I will say is a, a friend of mine who 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 ha- uh, deals with people who work on the inside. Uh, if you uh, you've got businesses saying to you, oh gosh, you got to wear a mask, I'll have the Ohio Department of Health on me. Do you know how many backlog complaints there are that they're trying to deal with with a staff of about 30 people? Yeah, there's too like many. Like 20,000. They're never going got to get... a whole lot of people that's right. who just want to complain about something, and they feel empowered by putting other people in jeopardy that's exactly for it. no good reason. So, uh, business owners, if you want to look the other way while people don't wear it, you can you'll get away with it. Okay, I I have one. I'm not going to say where this is, but it's near and dear to my heart. It's a biz, local business. That basically has a sign on the door and says that you know the state is is ordered required that we must re- request you to wear a mask in here. Uh, if you do not wear a mask in here, we must assume that you have a medical condition for not doing so. Yeah. And since we are unable to ask you about your medical history, uh, feel free to shop in our store. <laughs> There's a gun shop in town that basically says, has a picture of DeWine with a little mask under his nose that looks like a toothbrush mustache. Oh, my. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, our fascist governor has decreed it. 
if you, uh, here's our request. Wear one. We're going to come in the store. If you don't, we're not going to do anything about it. See, I don't think I don't think Dewine's a fascist. I just think he's a politician. Oh yeah, he's a and and he's he's been sold a bill of goods by somebody with the promise of support. And if you remember, the hospital association, the state medical association, all endorsed him for governor. Yep. And sometimes you get payback like this. Um, and, and I just think that honestly, he's a politician. That now he's so deep into it, he's scared to he come out of out. it because he's afraid of a bad day in the press. Because he has to be reelected next year. There, and exactly, come all the way around to right. the fact that he's up it's for election. Full circle, year. folks. Okay, you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And please join us again next week for another principles and policies. <laughs>